0: Hi, my name is Cesar Cavazos, and welcome to Friction Log. I am joined by my co-host Rick Blaylock, and we are here to bring you the best insights of UX, developer experience, and how we experiment with the extraction of joy, struggles, and other emotions when using technologies. Let's get started. Mr. Rick Blaylock, how are you? Happy New Year! Happy New Year. It's been a while. Been weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has been a few weeks. Not that we nah. haven't done anything with it, but at least we haven't recorded this podcast, so I kind of miss it, <laughs> our little yeah. experiments.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, I think weeks measured in tech years. It's been like 20 years, Cesar. It's been a long time.
0: Oh, and the news moved so fast. Like, there have <laughs> happened many, many things in the last few weeks, and... Feel like it feels like forever ago. I was listening to our last episode maybe last week, just because I was trying to catch some nuances on on the chapters and and some of the things that I that I do during the mm-hmm. editing. And it has been a while. It, it I was like ah, oh, I missed that. Maybe we should do it. Yeah. Soon. And here we are. Yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we it you know holidays and COVID and all this stuff. It, it's what happens. Get messes with your your habits (laughs) so hopefully we can get back on track
0: yep yeah yeah i'm sure we will what are you up to what's new with you
1: oh man so since the last podcast i went full-time on fish rules and fish rules is a it's an app and a company that me and a buddy started years ago and it just kind of started blowing up and it's Actually doing pretty cool. We're the official app of the federal government, NOAA. We're the official app of Florida and a few others, Hawaii. And um, really trying to grow that app. So figured to go full-time on it. So, yeah, that was a big, big, big thing since the last podcast we've done.
0: <laughs> Wait, I didn't know. I know it was on the Gulf, and I know it was on Florida and in some places. Hawaii also?
1: Hawaii, yeah. It's on California. You can download it here. Actually, I'm going to send you the beta. Right now, yeah. Right now,
0: send it over. And if any of our listeners wants to to test it out, reach out to us, and I'm sure Rick will have an invite for you. I think you rebuild this app every what every like year and a half with new technologies and and an updated UI. Or how often (laughs) do you rebuild it?
1: I I've done three big rewrites. This is my third one over over the course of what six years? Yeah, seven years, something like that.
0: So you did one when it was old Titanium, right? I'm sorry, pure mm-hmm. Titanium. Yep. And yep. then you did one that it was native, but then you have that JavaScript uh, engine in the middle in between the native code. And now yeah, you're it was, working. It was
1: Swift and Kotlin. Yep. Yeah. yeah, mm-hmm.
0: And now you're working in React Native,
1: I would guess. Yep. It's all React Native right now. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I'm just trying to consolidate it because it's it's mainly just me working on it. And so it's just easier to maintain if I can get it all together. (laughs) So that's the big reason why. Two code bases was too much for you? (laughs) Well, it's like a lot more than two. But yeah, it's, you know, just the context switching, going back and forth from Kotlin to Swift to writing the same feature. And it's just annoying. It definitely, React Native saves a lot of time on the developer side. And it performs pretty well, too. I've had some issues with Android, which isn't surprising at all, judging from, you know, the past experiences with titanium and Android too. So I'm not surprised, but
0: yeah, um, I don't think react native is the issue there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, there's some weird stuff going on and trying to figure it out is not easy on Android, but apart from a few performance issues on, on Android, it's pretty flawless. I really like it.
0: Nice, and this new version is gonna launch soon.
1: Uh, yeah, probably next week. Hmm. Hopefully next week. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Looking forward yeah, to the friction locks that you create uh, with React Native and and whatever else. Yeah, yeah. We'll <laughs> probably grab.
1: Yeah, I think we'll probably grab maybe Matt Congrove. We can get him back on the on the show and some others to talk about their first time experiences with React Native too. That'd be great if we could do that.
0: Yeah. I think it would be awesome for the next episode.
1: Okay. What else is new? That's that's it for me, just trying to launch this, you know, get it going. How about you? I, I know you went on a holiday, and you missed me a lot. You never text me. And I know you've been working on a bunch of different things, too. But where you been?
0: I have, yeah, I did take uh, some time. I went to Mexico, visit family, stay indoors. Trouble safe, all good. Ate a lot of tacos. That's why I didn't uh, text you because I was going to send you pictures and then you (laughs) will want them. And then they don't really get to Florida. So, Uh, but it was all good. Family's doing good and working. Yes, working. Still a lot of containers, Kubernetes deployments and installs and. The last few weeks has been around high availability. So having multiple sites, what happens when one goes down and trying to achieve that across different cloud providers, that's always fun. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. mainly work. plain Playground, I have been trying uh, Nest.js to build a set of microservices and then put an API gateway on top of it.
1: What What is Nest.js? What is that?
0: Nest.js is basically a layer... On top of either Express.js or Fastify, you can either select one or the other. And Mm -hmm. you can build REST APIs or or even GraphQL APIs. So you can can build your services all in Node.js, as the name Nest.js suggests. Mm -hmm. And then in front of it, these are a few services that do different things, some asynchronous, some synchronous. There is Kong, which is an API gateway, but it it is code driven, so not a lot like like those GUIs from like RPG and and even some of the products that IBM has. So I try to to go more into code, and then how do you show that through a Kubernetes service that has uh, that has a load balancer? And then you can scale individual services as you go. And then there's gonna be a React app on front of it. So just playing and, and trying to make it in a way that I have a, a good demo for a lot of different things that I want to do. So that mm-hmm. has been interesting. I'm sure some friction locks will come out of it.
1: Yeah, Let's- it'd be an interesting one to do. I, I'm looking at next nest. JS yes. right now it's interesting. So is it's all like annotation based? Like they got these uh, what do you call them? Decorators, yeah, decorators, and it's all class based stuff to create your services. Is that how you? Yeah, do
0: it? there is a lot of that in there, and especially when you start adding, like there is a Swagger plugin that you can add on top of it, and it's all decorators. And I'm using Mongo for my experiments, huh. but you can you can connect to different things as well. There is a mongoose package that it is, I believe, pretty popular. So they, they, I like that they go with with whatever is popular. And I'm, I'm gonna write a friction log since, since you are interested,
1: and then we can yeah, talk it's about it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, who's who maintains it? Because it, it looks like it's a very okay. So maybe I'm passing judgment here, but excuse my judgment, my judgy eyebrows <laughs> here. But it feels like a very. Java E enterprisey kind of framework. It, that's what it looks like to me. It is
0: it is enterprisey, yes. And that's part of the reason why I I wanted to try it out. There are a few things that I wanna that I wanna deploy with that that require that enterprisey kind of like, oh if I gotta pay for support, <laughs> yeah. I gotta get support. So It's not the Wild West of of some of the tools that you explore. So, yeah, I I think you got your idea right. java I I don't know. It feels like like Express with decorators. That's how I would put it. And, yeah, decorators, maybe it's too Java, I guess. I don't know. It's nice. It's interesting because you have the ability to use Express.js as your foundation or Fastify. And I chose ExpressJS mainly because I wanted to be this enterprisey thing. But Fastify mm-hmm. is a little bit newer and it's faster, and it has it has other things, but it has more risk on that on that particular enterprisey. I'm gonna keep calling to that. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's nice. It's it's a good experiment. I'll see how how it goes. I gotta test it out a little bit more, but should be fun. And well, I went to Mexico and I ate a lot. So I decided to try my three months uh, free of Apple fitness plus workouts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To work work off the tacos and the enchiladas. Yeah. Okay. All
0: All the good stuff. I don't think we can do a friction log about it, but as a consumer, the videos are very well done and I have no experience with any sort of exercise through the tv kind of scenarios like i used to go to the gym and i go outdoors and i jog and i walk and and stuff like that never actually done any any sort of videos so to me it's all new i don't have anything to compare but it is nice and you get tired earlier today i did a um what's the name hit high intensity intensity interval training that's the Mm -hmm. acronym you guys like acronyms too much true it is true. So I did one of those and, and I got tired. But it is it is fun. It's The weather is not so nice here. We have a storm that has been around for the last two days. So it has been a good experiment. I don't think I'm going to come back with a friction log, especially not with a video of me trying to do it. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it is. I think that's all that's up. Food, exercise, work, play.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. So today we're, on this episode, we're going to do a uh, friction log on Figma. Figma's a really cool up and coming. It's actually, actually, that's probably even not even the right term. It's not up and coming anymore. It's dominating the design industry for designing digital things, apps and stuff like that. And uh, I've used it a few times in the past. Actually, when we designed the fish, the friction log website, I used it. <laughs> and then at a past startup at pinpoint, we used it too. So I I really like it. I think even down to the architecture and how they built it with WebAssembly and stuff, it's it's really cool. So I'm excited that you did a first time experience on it because I kind of want to hear from a developer perspective who is a creative developer. I'd love to hear like the first time experience and the expectations. So I'm I'm really glad that you did this one and and we can talk about it. Um, oh yeah, it
0: was it, cool. was it was nice. It is. I actually recorded it. We haven't had a a YouTube recording of one of our friction locks in a while too. So I, I try to record right. it and talk through what I was thinking. It helped me create some of the points. That's probably why I got I got so many logs in right. um, in the friction log. But yeah they they announce or promote themselves as a collaborative interface design tool. And I am no I, I know enough of design To know that I want a designer when I'm building something that it is great, but I still like to play around it. I know what it it looks good and I know when an interface, like I know Mm -hmm. Apple's human um, interface guidelines. So I know what an iOS app uh, should look and feel and what's new with the iOS 13, 14, whatever version so I know a little bit about it, but I am no designer. I mean, I have Photoshop, but I don't I use it once every two months.
1: <laughs> right, <laughs> Let's put it that
0: right. way. So not a designer perspective, but they do they do promote a lot the collaboration. And that includes designers, product owners, and developers. So I went out and we're, we're doing this, trying to have this series of Swift and a little bit of mobile development. And how do we start to build the mobile development friction logs? Well, we we built a simple app with something, right? A Swift UI, and maybe we're going to use Fauna as, as a backend or as a database that it could connect, but we still need a design. So I say, well, we might as well start the year with, with something that it is totally out of my expertise and see how it goes. And, and I like it. I, I would say I'm thinking on building part two soon with a little bit more experience and more focus on the design because my friction log ended up being a lot of the onboarding process, which I like, but I wasn't expecting it to take that long. So that's that's a mm. summary.
1: I mm. oh, can't wait to dive into that one. All right. <laughs> Good, good, good. all right, so you kind of covered about we always like to cover the persona. it's you so you kind of covered that. I am curious I'm looking at in the friction log notes that you have you mentioned that you use Safari 14. Why did you do that? besides wanting to torture whoever works at figma with this friction log look what, what 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 made you decide to use Safari 14 just because it's the default browser that comes with Mac?
0: For the same reason that I don't use Chrome, because you use it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, contrarian, are you? Okay. Well, I, I always like Safari.
0: Just, I don't know, it, it's simple and I never use it for development because the developer tools are are way better in uh, mm-hmm. other browsers. Right. But Safari is one of the ones that I like to, especially the tabs that, that get shared across iPad and iPhone and and Mac. So I like the, the ability of uh, continuity, I think they call it, when you can mm-hmm. open one from the other side. So I am right. a big uh, for personal stuff. I like it. I know for development, it's not the best. For development, I actually use Microsoft Edge, which was rebuilt with Chromium as of like maybe close to two years. I have been mm-hmm. using the beta for that. And it's like Chrome. I don't see any differences with Chrome and except that it is a little bit faster and it doesn't consume a lot of resources obviously if you have a bunch of tabs then it will but so I try to stay away from chrome because I think it's becoming internet explorer and I know you use it so I was like I sign up on on safari by the time I I was recording and I was like ah, I'm just gonna keep going and s- see how it goes and I was surprised it works fairly well that might be mm. a friction that I recorded, that it was like a bug and that might be Safari related. But other mm-hmm. than that, there wasn't really anything that I couldn't do or that it say, hey, you need to use Chrome for this or that. So somebody mm-hmm. in Figma is supporting Safari and I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> oh, awesome. Good, good. Okay. So let's, let's get right into it. Usually we start off with lights overview of, of some logs and then we start with the Delight logs. So Looking at these right now, one of the things you mentioned in like just general notes is you wish that there was more, I guess, prescriptive tutorials, like let's build a login screen in 10 minutes type video tutorial versus a bunch of text to describe it. So so tell me about that.
0: So for that, let me tell you a little bit the experience. So you create your account and you can see it on the, on the YouTube uh, video. Um, right. You create the account and then you go into your workspace and then you have some projects that are already there. And one of them is like a tutorial of some of the things that you can do, like the frames and how can you copy stuff and replace and give a spacing that it is even mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But it is this, it is already a project, which I think it's good in the sense of hey, you're already using the app while you're learning it. But at the same time, there wasn't anything that said, hey, here is a a video. Let me show you how you can build an app, which I guess is pretty popular on developer tools that say, hey, let's build an API in 10 minutes or let's build a login screen in 15 minutes. And Mm -hmm. and I guess that's a developer's perspective of I want to dip my toes in new waters. So... I think I was waiting for that. And once we were talking about this friction log, I realized that I don't think they have a documentation webpage. They have plugins, and those plugins have some sort of docs for developers and for things to expand the tool. But there is not really a documentation page, and and maybe you don't need it because I I never actually Mm -hmm. felt like I was going, but it is one of those... um, UX uh, heuristics about um, right. it's right, better yeah. not to use the documentation, but for some things you might want to have something like an FAQ and some some particular things. And that's probably where tutorials would be and maybe what I was hoping for, to get with this. But that was, that was totally different from what I usually see on developer tools where this is more like a designer tools.
1: Man, that's so interesting. I just, while you were talking, because I'm like, no, they have documentation, surely they do. They don't have a documentation. I'm looking <laughs> around. And I don't see it anywhere. I mean, they have like use cases and they have resources on like best practices and stuff, but mainly it's just marketing stuff. That's really interesting. And in product, they don't have documentation either, huh? Surely somewhere they got it. They have to have it somewhere.
0: Yeah. They might huh. have like a little question mark in, in some places of what tools do but not the documentation that you you were expecting. Now, they do have identified the perf- the personas pretty well, I would say. Mm-hmm. Because you you get a taste of like here's uh, obviously it's all around designers, but as a developer you you always get to the point where you want to see what what it translates into code and they have like snippets for CSS and for right. Swift and for Kotlin right. or Android. And, I mean, it's as great as other tools that I have used as developer, like Zeppelin. I have used uh, Ambition as well. And the persona, like, hey, here's the prototyping. There is a project that it is a prototype that you can walk through it. And you just see it, you know, like, this is perfect for, for a, a product owner, right? Somebody that it is that wants to show the app and see if that really resonates with users without building it. So they have identified their personas pretty well. But then there are some other things that I only notice after the fact that I finished the recording. Like I have a journal note on, they have a native app and I never use it. I, and I never saw a little link that said, hey, you're on Safari. You might want to use our app instead because Safari is not the best browser. Nope, They they never told me that. I saw the app just after, and I guess if you scroll down on the ma- main page, you get to it, and you can you can see it. Which now that I think about it, it kind of like makes sense that they support Safari if they have an app. I don't know if it's using Electron or or something, but they might be using like WebKit, and therefore Safari will be better supported than we expect. I don't know.
1: The- Do you use a lot of uh, a lot of WebAssembly under the covers. Hmm. Okay. Um, makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, if you think about it from a design tool perspective, you know, you get you get some good um, performance out of that. Yeah, it's, that is an interesting point, though. Hmm.
0: And, and my last general comment was around templates. So they have this community going on, and, and the templates, a lot of them look great. A lot of them, I, I think there are some areas of opportunity there, uh, especially around curation and quality of some of those. But it's it, it goes along with what you say at the beginning. Is taking over uh, the amount of possibilities that you see in there, and what designers are doing is, it's just great. Like that made me feel excited to jump into it and to see what it was about.
1: Right, right, yep, cool, okay. What about delights? Anything that you were just like, oh man, this is just awesome. What what did you run into? So let's start with with
0: what we were talking about. Safari, I. I am a Safari user and I know it's not supported in a lot of in a lot of tools and a lot of things and there's always something going on with Safari and I appreciate that it was supported. So even though I prefer it as a browser, I know that it is not not widely supported and when somebody mm-hmm. does it, I I like it. So and I try to do that with the web, with the websites that I built just because there might be somebody like me out there. The community. I was talking about the templates. It's like, it definitely looks like there's a community there. Like I was going to be able to, as a non-designer, find some tools and assets to build whatever I was trying to build. And and we we haven't really thought about that, but it was, I basically want to build a simple app where I can, I bring all this cheese and, and a bunch of like tortillas and stuff like that from Mexico and I put it on a chest freezer and I I keep a paper log of whatever is in there so I know like I could <laughs> my wife and I can figure out what we're gonna eat and like, oh let's do this. And I wanna digitize this. So I was like well, I might as well build a simple app that we can that we can have and, and track it and, and publish it out there. I don't know. So I so felt you like you designed a cheese app.
1: A cheese date tracking app.
0: Freezer storage inventory <laughs> app, which cool. there are, somebody else already did one in, in the app store, I think. But so.
1: <laughs> Of course, of course. Well, just, the- just like if, if you're ever pitching it, just say, look, it's the next Robin Hood app. <laughs> for cheese. Hedge funds are going to love it. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I I
0: felt like the community was there with the tools and and some inspiration and some, I would say, default iOS controls that I knew I was uh, going to need. I'm not trying to do anything fancy or anything agnostic, not even trying to build an Android app. I was just trying to go for iOS controls. And there are templates for that. And I was quite happy to see it. So that was a delight as well.
1: Good, good. So one of the things that has always stood out to me with Figma and you you put this down as a delight is friendly UI and I definitely feel that way too coming from using Photoshop for years and years and years and I ended up just stopped using Photoshop because first of all my use of graphic design things has diminished over the years and then also there's like native Mac apps like Pixelmator That kind of do it for me, and it's nice and clean. But then when I needed to use something more robust, I have Sketch as well, but it's kind of heavy. I just I don't know. I just is a really nice connection with Figma's UI. It's simple. Things feel out of the way. Like Photoshop feels so cluttered compared to Figma's UI, which is cool. And you mentioned here that you never felt intimidated or left out. Because of like, I don't know, maybe feature bloat or, or like too many options. And so that's overwhelming because you saw too many options or something like, what did you mean by you never felt intimidated? Yeah,
0: it wasn't complicated. Like Photoshop, Photoshop can intimidate anybody. There are so many things that it doesn't matter how much time you or I have been using Photoshop. I always feel like I'm not using like not even close to 10% of what it can do. Mm -hmm. That is, that is a fact and here I felt like I was right. trying things and, and I do have some frictions around like where do things are and some of the properties and and some functionality that wasn't like super intuitive. But that doesn't mean that I was like, that's, that's just me not knowing the tool, mm-hmm. but eventually I will learn it and I will know where things are just like I know what commands I use when I'm building something with a new framework or like I know it's something that can be learned. But I don't feel that dredge of like, oh, it doesn't matter how much time I spend on it because I'm not a designer. I'm not going to spend full time on on this tool. I'm mm-hmm. never going to learn it like Photoshop. It feels more like, oh, I can I can get around this. And if I have a designer that it is helping me building a UI, I can jump in and I can do what the tool says that I can do. Collaborate and and add some comments and grab some snippets from code. And it, to me, it was just friendly. I felt like it was. It was the right tool for my my persona, my profile.
1: That's cool. So, so you'd say, like, if we bring up UX laws, so Hick's law, the you know, time it takes to make a decision increases with the number and complexity of choices. That we've talked about that several times in other podcasts. So, you would say that they definitely are aware of Hick's law. I mean, that's what it sounds like, right? That the fact that you didn't feel like you were overwhelmed or anything.
0: Yes, I definitely felt that. I think they are missing a little bit that law on, on the templates in the community. I think there mm-hmm. in there there is an exponential a set of decisions and options that you can choose so that that plays the other way around. But definitely talking about the tool and the product that they're building. Yes, uh I would say uh that's very accurate.
1: Got it. Well okay, so let's jump over to a friction then. So let's talk about the template overload that you mentioned. So I mean if you if since we're talking about Hicks law, so you're saying there were so many community choices and things to pick from. You were overwhelmed with where to start or how to continue on in the project because you went like what jumped over to a template to check it out. And then you got lost. Like explain some of that flow to me. I know it's on the video to a degree, I guess, but explain, explain that.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. So I went into community templates, right? At some point I clicked on it on the video and and I went a couple of times. One when I was just exploring and one when I was actually looking for iOS controls. And it looks like it's this grid where you have community templates. So people uploaded stuff. And the first thing that I noticed is whatever that designer did for the cover of the template is whatever is going to pick your eye. Because the filter button mm-hmm. is it's not particularly... It's on the right, I think, and it's, it's a little bit small to my taste. But even though it has two filters, by recent and feature, and I don't really know what's the criteria that they use for feature because on the first page I was seeing all sorts of, of different templates. And I, I searched for iOS... And then before I was looking at iOS 14, which is the latest and greatest, there was a template for iOS 13. So I don't, I don't know exactly what what creates that value uh, for Figma to say this is the ones that you want to use. And if you really want something something different or something a little bit out there, then you have to scroll down and see more options. So I wish kind of like there was a popular filter where I could cut through the noise or like there, no. there is something that can be done there filtering wise and how the, the information is presented I have no idea what they use for their sorting because they have some sort of I want to say boats and, and likes and stars I don't I don't recall the control exactly but it doesn't make sense from a sorting perspective I don't know it, it might be something that again designers creative people don't need any of that and they just go in and start scrolling, and it's more like a browsing a magazine. But that's not me. So that that's that's when I felt overloaded that I was maybe using a good one, maybe not. And I think I jumped between a couple of iOS templates for iOS controls because one of them didn't have the the tab bar or the the switch that we that we use or that I was planning to use. So mm-hmm. that that's what it Interesting. meant. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm looking at it right now. It kind of reminds me of Dribbble a little bit. But do you peruse Dribble at all? No, on Dribble. So,
0: yeah. No.
1: Are you? Are you never? Yeah, okay. So yeah. So maybe it's a designer thing. That's an interesting point because like I literally probably go through Dribbble three or four times a week, just seeing what new trends and what people are are have built. And it reminds me a lot of Dribble, where it's just card after card after card of of. Here's a design, here's a design, here's a design. It's it's like the doom scrolling for designers.
0: <laughs> I guess it makes sense. It's it's and now that you that you I'm looking at it, now that you mention it, it does look more like a showcase kind of page for the community mm-hmm. than hey, here are some ideas that then you can grab and import and some, some controls and some like useful things. It does look more like showcasing and I mean there are some amazing things there, but but for what I was hoping for, I don't think I I was in the right mood or or mindset to really find what I was hoping, and I felt overwhelmed.
1: Mm, okay, all right, that's very interesting. Yeah, this is like dribble for I, I'm scrolling through right now as <laughs> we're on this podcast. <laughs> it's just it's dribble for Figma. Interesting. Okay. So one of the frictions you mentioned, and this is, I want to talk about this one. We don't have to talk about all these logs, but this one specifically, because onboarding is so crucial. And you mentioned that's a friction. And I really want to hear why you think that was a friction.
0: So creating an account was a delight. It was like three clicks. I think I used Google accounts and, and tied to our friction log account. So that was that was dead easy, Right. And then once I jump into the workspace that we were talking about, there was a little coach mark to say, Hey, start here. And then that opened a blank project. And I was like, okay. So I started exploring there, but it didn't really tell me anything. And we we're talking about there Wait, are
1: no- a, a completely a completely blank project. There wasn't anything in the project, like a canvas and some stuff on like click this button to do this or whatever.
0: No, the Couchmark automatically sent me to an untitled project. And Interesting. Uh, you can drag things and stuff like that. But I had to go back and then that's when I saw the Figma Basics project and the wireframing in Figma and the prototyping in Figma, which are the three main projects that they or i guess there are four that they give you and they give you another one for a design system like some sort of team colors Mm -hmm. so but the moment like the moment i arrived there was a button that sent me to create a new one and a new one was blank and i was i wasn't Mm -hmm. lost because i was in exploring mode but it was like that's when a video campaign Come uh, pop out and say, "Hey, let's build a simple screen and let's do this and that." So I had to come back, and then I I started to I guess fix my basics, and then I think I jump into prototyping. So I I did a couple mm-hmm. of things. I don't think I did the wireframing one.
1: So so were you? So what I'm hearing is you once you backed out of that blank template you saw hey there's a couple example ones here and it sounds like those didn't match up with what you were looking for so were you looking for more like use case driven examples like hey build actually previously you mentioned some about it'd be nice to see a video where you just build a login screen or something is that kind of what you're looking for yeah or okay interesting so so like here okay, so I, I'm just trying to dive into this because I wanna I wanna understand the friction here. So I mean I understand the friction, but I want to understand how to solve it. So if they would have had a Figma document that was build a login page in 10 minutes or whatever, like your video idea that you had. And in that canvas, they literally had on the canvas step one. And then it tells you to do stuff or has an example and then step two and you, you just like move the cursor over the, oh, the whole canvas, you move over and you see what step two is. Would that have been something that helped you through that? Or would you still rather have seen just like watch the video?
0: I think I would have preferred the video mm-hmm. just because who I am. When you go into the basics one, the the project where they have the basics is kind of, similar to what you're telling me. Like, Mm-hmm. Like step-by-step step kind of thing. But as opposed to, let's build your first screen. It's more about specific functionality of Figma. So number one is like frames and try it out and see how you can drag a frame and do this and select one. And here's the shortcut. And then step right. two, constraints. Step three, components, styles, smart selection, et cetera. Right? So there are, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, there are like eight steps all the way to sharing it does have some commenting and stuff like that. But I I never built something out of that. I was just going through it, trying to replicate what they were telling me. And, and to me, that was, again, maybe because I have a developer profile, I, I need something with a goal and not as creative or as explorative. But to me, that was like, oh, I wish... I Like I saw one of the samples, I think they had a login screen and they had like a little chat screen that you Mm -hmm. play with styles and whatnot. I wish I was building that thing. Like I wish they were telling like, hey, add this and then add that and then move this constraint here. These are constraints. And then you can select this and create your own style. And here you go, your first screen and you have used these five things from us.
1: Hmm. Cool. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So that is that is a different type of persona. Uh, when I say different, I don't mean abnormal. I just mean I. It does feel like it's it's different from how Figma is set up because Figma kind of in my in my impression of it is they're assuming you're going to want to explore and you know beat your head against the wall forty times while you're doing that to to learn. It, it, I definitely get that impression. So I can see that. I can see where you just want to watch a video of, you know, 10 minutes, zero to, to 100 miles an hour, you know. That makes sense. You know, it's it's interesting. I was reading a um a UX thing from the Nielsen Norman group today, actually, about false consensus effect. And maybe there's a little bit of that in there. Maybe, maybe the false consensus is assuming, maybe they're assuming that, everybody using it shares their beliefs of of like hey we want to we want users to explore because that's what users want to do they want to explore and maybe maybe that's not always the case you know
0: it might as well be that because i came in and i knew i was going to record my screen and upload it to youtube with a very specific goal Mm -hmm. um and just with that, I wanted to progress. I wanted to learn and progress to whatever I was trying to build in the amount of time that I thought I had allocated for it. And that mm-hmm. might be something that maybe if I was just playing while I was drinking my morning coffee and <laughs> that, that might might have been a totally different experience, right? But I wouldn't have uh, recorded it because I wasn't sure how long it was going to take and... and mm-hmm. So, yeah, there could be two different personas. Now, what you're talking about consensus happens pretty often when you're a developer, right? As a developer, you assume not on purpose most of the time that Mm -hmm. the users are as technology savvy as you are. And you make a lot of mistakes with that because the way you use technology is way different than people that don't develop tools and that don't understand coding. And, And I guess in this particular scenario, Figma built for designers... I was that persona that they didn't, that they don't understand or that they weren't thinking about it. Somebody that it is driven by a goal of let me go and draw whatever is in my head. And I have, I have a few notes of what I wanted to do with my freezer inventory app. I got to find a, a fancy name for it. <laughs> but they, they, they didn't have that persona. And that's, I, I can identify myself with that because I have built applications that I just assume that people we know how to, how to use it, and they don't, and it's because they don't have the same background that I do, and it's the same consensus uh, law or principle that you were talking about.
1: Right, right, yeah, and and on that, what, the consensus fallacy. What at least from the the different articles I read about it today, I, th- I think it's interesting that they all point out that professionals are the ones who fall into the trap because they're so familiar with the problems and they're so familiar with the tools and the solutions that they just assume everybody thinks like them. And, you know, they, they assume that, Hey, I'm a user of this thing. So therefore, you know, how I look at it and how I think about it is how everybody else will think about it because they're going to be users too. So yep. that, that's, that's the fallacy you can fall into. I, I can see how that, that affects your onboarding. It's really interesting. huh?
0: Now. Where, If that's the reason to change the product, maybe not because, or maybe they do, or maybe they drive a different onboarding if you're a developer than you're a designer, because they do ask you, what is your persona? If you're a developer or a designer, they do ask you that during the the initial setup, I would say when you create the account. And maybe that's enough to identify a pattern like developers like more structure approach to learn this where designers are more like, let's go to community and like explore. And it's more like poking around and that might be something. So I think, yeah, I think we're, we're getting to to that same uh, same page. So it was a friction for me, but it doesn't mean that it is going to be a friction for somebody that is not recording his or her screen and that it is not <laughs> in, I don't want to say a time constraint, but I, I did right. have a like some time allocated for what I wanted to do. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Or maybe uh maybe you pick the I'm an enterprise architect persona and they're just like, Yeah, we got nothing for you. Here's a blank (laughs) (laughs) page. What are you doing here?
0: (laughs) Go somewhere else. (laughs) Get a designer and he will build the prototype for you and then you don't have to look at this. (laughs) (sighs) Right. But yeah, uh Minecraft frictions, I would say I'm quite happy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, they all seem like fairly minor frictions, which is pretty impressive for uh, this type of a product, which is great. So let's, let's wrap it up here with some, some blockers. You had two blockers and blockers are always like bad, really bad. And you have two. So one of them I don't quite understand is it's the images, the use of images. You said you wanted to replace images and you couldn't figure out how to do it. So can you explain that a little more? What happened?
0: Yeah, so in that Figma basics screen, like those eight steps of like, here's what you can do, or here are some features and how they work. One mm-hmm. of them is teaching you how to create a reusable asset, in this case, a row, right, in a, a row with a, some bubbles of people, I think. And then it tells you, hey, you you want to use this, and this will make this particular element a template or a component And then you can just drag it in and it will create copies. And if you modify the first one, it will modify everything. So it's a nice approach of reusability that I like. And then the last instruction or one of the last instructions in that step says mimic or mirror what uh, they give you, kind of like the final screen. And they tell you with what you learn, mimic it. And part of that screen has those bubbles with images and it has one image that it is the same, right? The first one, and then the second, third, and four are different. And I had no way to to really mirror what they were saying. So again, maybe designers just like to upload their own images, and I'll I'll try to post a screenshot of what that screen looks like in the in the art of the of the podcast. But I wasn't able to just go and say, like, hey, here's all the images that you can use, or here's how you get that image. So that little chat window looks the same as what you were trying to to do. So it it was hmm. it was something minor because it was during the onboarding. But I got to the point that I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. And to me that that's good enough to mark it as a as a blocker. Because I totally lost track of what I was trying to do and and yeah, all my Interrupted your flow. Yeah.
1: Threw off your groove, man.
0: Not yeah. that I had a lot, but yeah. So that was one. <laughs> and the other yeah. blocker, I think this is probably related to Safari maybe, but during some navigations, and you can actually mm-hmm. see it on the video, the whole browser screen becomes red, except for yeah. the right and left pane. So I think that mm. might be something, maybe how they're building the app or... It wasn't a blocker in the sense that I had to refresh the screen to remove it, but it definitely breaks your flow. So I don't know if that's... And it's like red, like somebody was was testing, you know, the RGB and put like red at 100% and <laughs> and just draw the entire screen with it. So it looks very bright and, and it got captured on the video. Now, it could have been that um, the recording software was doing something with the yeah, uh, right. with the browser window, so it, I don't I don't know if it's something really as a bug of the tool or it was just a combination of like you're using Screenflow plus Safari plus Figma and in some cases it
1: will create that <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. It does sound. I'm looking. I'm reading your friction log now. It does definitely sound like some weird GPU issue or something. Um, yeah. Huh. Curious. I just Googled it while you were talking too and nothing came up, so I think...
0: Oh yeah, this cool. is not going to be easy for the developers to fix. They can watch the videos as many times as they want and I can record more. <laughs> but but yeah, it's one of those that I don't even feel confident to, even if they have a GitHub where I could report the issue, I don't, I don't right. think I can reproduce it either. So it was just an interesting uh, thing. Now... I, I do want to mention those are the blockers. I do want to mention that I appreciate a lot the reusability aspects. So the way that they create mm. the styles and how you can reuse the colors and apply the fonts as uh, as styles, as a developer, that's something that I'm always looking for to create a uniform experience. And if I miss the size of the font, then I can just fix it once and they they do take that to heart, and they explore in the tool, so that was one of my favorite things that, as your developer persona, I appreciate it a lot and and it was one of the things that I said, "Oh, this is good, this is good for me, I like it right
1: right, <laughs> yeah, cool, good did you uh happen to check out any of the the developer libraries like they have this one thing it's it's like react to figma where you actually code your react components and then it creates figma components out of that have you seen that
0: uh no i haven't that might be for part two actually (laughs) once i start drawing more the the screens it's going to be an ios one but i i I mean i will definitely try it out that might be a feature experience as opposed to a first time
1: yeah i think it's they're trying to i I don't think figma did this it's somebody else is doing it but i think it kind of is following the Airbnb because Airbnb had that, is it was a React to Sketch or something like that, and that's how they did yeah. their design system. Mm-hmm. So then it keeps all their design assets really consistent and it's tight with code. It's an interesting concept.
0: Yeah, it's a fine line, but yeah, I I have <laughs> it's used definitely it. Definitely a in... fine line. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how do you keep it in sync? And yeah, I'll I'll try it out. I'll keep exploring it. I really uh, like it. So. What else I was thinking on on we talk about personas and and some of the things that we talk on the friction locks is who is this tool for, so you might be interested to know that I think product owners designers developers uh as a as a collaboration tool this is great like if you're a product owner, you can run a prototype as I was saying earlier. If you're a developer looking at the styles, if you're a designer, obviously you have the dribble community that you like and that I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. So I I think it's great for the whole team, small startup trying to launch something. Collaboration in times of COVID is is critical, and and this thing or this tool shines for for it. So I think there are a lot of users for it.
1: Oh, there definitely is. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Cesar. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to part two of this in the near future.
0: Yeah, it's good to be back. And and I'm sure we're going to come back. I think we have uh, more content coming into the blog. Some other ones from the previous hackathon. We also published the hackathon that you and Matt Congroup did. And it's Mm -hmm. on YouTube if you want to check it out. And we'll be back soon. Thanks for listening. See you later. Well, that's all for today's episode of FrictionLog. Thank you for listening, and make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app, and visit our website, FrictionLog.com. Adios, amigos.